both had our social distance Thanksgivings this year. Everybody went to bed. So sometime around like 6.30 this morning, I, you know, I drank a little, I had to drink a little bit. So I had to get up, go to the restroom. And as you know, you normally do as you get back into bed, you may check your phone. Twitter wanted me to know that my friend Frank had just tweeted at like 6.30. And I'm like, oh, Frank always up early. Frank's this morning? Tweet, yeah, Frank's tweet was, <laughs> babies are the biggest cock blocks. <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, damn, and my dog going through it. <laughs> like, <laughs> somebody done fucked up this early morning. <laughs> like, Man, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, at first I was like, Maybe he not. Maybe maybe this is just about. Maybe he saw a video and he referring to that. No. But, but like our friend, uh, another uh, person we follow, posted something entirely different from what it was, right? And there was a girl in there who, who had a whole group of friends, and in this picture of a whole group of friends, there's a lot of pretty women in there. And one of the guys on Twitter is like, "Hey, can you tag the second girl from the left or whatever?" And then the girl was like, no, she got a man. And he was like, okay, but y'all say y'all met on Twitter, so she can't have a follow? Like, I'm just asking you who she is so I can follow her. And the girl was, like, really, like, blocking the whole situation. So even in that moment, Frank was like, oh, she's a cop block, too. And I was like, oh, this shit heavy on my dog heart. Like, <laughs> it's, it's pressure at home right now. Like, some shit going on. So I just wanted, you know, I just wanted to lay the floor out for you. Bro, I'm here for you. What's going on? I was trying to jump on my wife since like four in the morning. And, <laughs> <laughs> and every single attempt, the baby, she either made noise, woke up and started crying, or something just ruined the mood. And around six, I eventually gave up. I was like, okay, it ain't going to happen today. <laughs> let, me just, let me just roll over. Right. Go make a hot bottle and just say, fuck it. Yeah, I'm gonna take a cold shower this morning. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Hey, hey, bro, I saw that. I was like, okay, maybe I saw the first tweet. I was like, it's sister, maybe dog, you know, maybe he'll let it go. He'll get something out of his system. But when you still was tweeting about being caught block at nine o'clock, I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but dog, frustrated, man. All that hey, but if you've seen the tweet, several people responded and was like, they agreed with me. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes, I, I ain't imagine. the only one out here struggling. There's... Shout out to the parents out there. They feel my pain. Hey, I I, I mean, I've been caught block before, so I feel your pain. But having a, a, a live-in caught block is a totally different situation. So I apologize on behalf of the children. Oh, no, you're going to get there one day. Bro, no, don't wish shit on me like that, dog. Be, <laughs> be a better friend. Oh, I will be. I will be. So when I tweet at 4.30 in the morning... I'm going to be there to support you. I'm going to retweet and like it and be like, yep, they are. I'm going to agree with you. There. <laughs> On that note, ready to bring it to the table? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between and outside of those constructs, which is amazing that somebody just tweeted the other day that they finally understood what that meant, yeah. which I found funny. We're 25 episodes in, 26 episodes in. Rewind, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between and outside of those constructs. Welcome to another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast, episode 26. Still, it still amazes me that people just now getting that. But see, the thing is, you said so quick and so fluidly in your intro 
it doesn't catch like that. So when people think about it, it's like, okay, it just flows. Let me, let me hear what these guys are talking about. And I guess when you take a moment and think about it, it's like, oh, he's addressing everybody because not everybody identifies as man. Not everybody identifies as woman. So it's like, oh, okay. They're all inclusive on their audience. Just trying to, you know, just a little catch all, trying to make sure everybody feel included. Um, now, let me ask you this, though. I never asked you this before. Now, good. saying that, was that something you came up with or you heard it from somebody else and you was like, you know what, let me incorporate that? Um, I heard something similar on another podcast. Um, and you just Mouse, made it yours. Mouse Jones podcast. He was doing like a, a quarantine podcast. Right. Um, and he was like interviewing people every day, every day. Um, a different, like people of note every day. Um, and it, it was some, something in his introduction. It was like, you know, he gave respect to everybody in the introduction. And I just wanted to say that, but say that kind of more fluid and concise. Right. So in the conversations of us, you know, starting the podcast, it was one of the first lines I wrote in us taking notes in the very first like podcast we ever in the first one that we recorded that we'll never see the light of day. Um, it was the first line I wrote was ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between and outside of those constructs. I just wanted to make sure that everyone, so from the jump, so from the inception of the entire podcast, you knew that, Hey, this isn't a podcast just for this group or this group. Now it may be the perspective of two heterosexual cis males, you know, growing up the way we grew up, but we're not trying to exclude anybody outside of that. Okay. So you didn't quite hear from somebody else. You was inspired by somebody else's message and you made it your own. Correct. Correct. There you go. Okay. I didn't like snatch it, but yeah. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> That's dope. Hey man, we try. We try. You ready to chop it up? Yeah, let's chop it up. All right, man. Um this week you know, it's funny, me and Frank had a conversation, like, we're like, oh, it's going to be a quiet week, ain't too much going to go on, and, and fair, fair enough, it has been a, a quiet week where there wasn't a lot of mess that went on, but there was a lot of things that happened this week. A quiet week for 2020 standards. Whew, amen to that, amen to that, and you, like I said, we are in the season finale of 2020, so everybody be ready, everybody be ready. <sighs> We'll, we'll start with one of the good things that happened. The Fresh Prince had its 30th anniversary of its first episode this year. And, and, Will, blah, 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 and Will Smith decided, along with you know, HBO Max, trying to capitalize on you know, getting black people over there to get HBO Max. Because to be honest, I, I wasn't going out of my way to get HBO Max until the the Justice League Snyder Cut came out, to be real. Just to be honest with y'all in the world. Um, and you didn't want to make the same mistake I did with Disney Plus waiting on Marvel stuff, huh? Well, I can't judge you because I jumped on Disney Plus and jumped on gave him a whole year contribution from the jump. <laughs> because, first of all, I'm not one of those people who, who hated having Disney Plus at the beginning. You know what I did when I first got Disney Plus? I watched All the Smart Guy again. I watched uh, the fact that Mar they had like all the Marvel cartoons from my childhood all in one place. I have the X Men. I have the the originals, the Spider Man that we grew up on. On yeah, deck. and see the cool thing about well, I'm not gonna say the cool thing about that. The thing is with that, 
yeah, we get to watch all our old cartoons, but they haven't been remastered. So you're watching it in its old, shitty resolution. Well, see, so, that's your perspective, young man. That's your perspective. <laughs> what I got was how grounded and it was gritty and we was down in the trenches of early animation during those times. Now, is it hard for me to watch those cartoons? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Have I finished watching all the episodes all the way through? No. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I remember when it first dropped, I was watching... Chippendales and, and and like I was hitting all the little classic Darkwing Duck and like all the stuff that you know nostalgia nostalgia hit me close to home but after the first like two three weeks without any original programming at first it was like yeah I'm I'm okay Disney Plus what else do you have for me like the hype was real for Disney Plus like remember it like, was it was one day on Twitter where they like every two minutes they retweeted or they posted a new show from your past, not a new show, but an old show from your past. And it was just boom and boom and boom. You was like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, Tailspin. Oh, I remember that. So it was a lot of, you know, nostalgia building. And but- not just that. I mean, they showed a lot of uh, teasers of what's to come. They, I'm a big Marvel fan. So that's what had most of my attention, especially when it came to Disney+. Plus. So I'm paying attention to this timeline of shows that's coming out. Um, WandaVision, uh, Moon Knight, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you name it. It was, I want to say maybe five or six shows, maybe more than that, that was slated to come out. Not all this year, but I think at the very least, we were going to get two this year. We was going to get WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I believe we was going to get at least those two this year. Actually, by this time, if if COVID hadn't hit, we would have had both shows by this time. Right. And uh, none of that happened. And now they're still teasing WandaVision. It was like, look, this show was supposed to drop in August. And now it's looking like it's slated for a January, like, February launch. Right. And 2021. Like, I know Loki was going to get a show as well. Loki too. Yeah. It was uh, disappointing that all this happened and everything got pushed back the way it did. But I get it. And I ain't too mad at Disney Plus because actually... Um, I went back and started watching like Toy Story and I watched the, the Princess Frog with my daughter. Um, so there was, there was some, definitely some, some highlights there that you can watch with the family. So it's, it's not all bad. Right. It, they had stuff for the kids. So HBO Max has, they have, a, they have a couple shows that are already ongoing. So, you know, that's cool. Um, they absorbed all of the DC stuff from the DC network. Uh, the DC Universe network that they had, their streaming service. So they absorbed all of that. So all the stuff is now, all of Warner Brothers stuff, every movie, every show is all in one place. And in that Warner Brothers uh, network of shows, you had The Fresh Prince. And 30 years later, Will Smith gets together with the entire cast of Fresh Prince and they filmed this reunion special. Now, it would have been lovely for them to have done this probably like seven years ago when, you know, um, James Avery could have been there, you know, OG Uncle Phil. Um, but it's still, I watched it. It was it was still really good. The cool thing is, is that everybody still kind of looks like themselves. 
you know, sometimes when you see shows and you see these reunions from like 30 plus years and you look at everybody, and you, you know, you got some people that may look a little strung out or some people that may have gone through some things and, or age has hit them in a certain way or celebrity has hit them physically in a certain way. I can say for sure that it didn't happen to this group. Like everyone still looked good. Like if they wanted to go and film another season of Fresh Prince, it looked like they all could film it and they still look like themselves. It didn't look like, oh, they look so old or anything like that. Like even Will is in his 50s, but he looks good. You know what I mean? Ashley, Tatiana Ali, still gorgeous. Still gorgeous. I, I was in love with, with Tatiana Lee, a.k.a. Ashley Banks, since I was, you know, a youngin watching Fresh Prince. That came out. And we all 90, had crushes on her. In the night, like Fresh Prince came out in, in 1990. We were three years old. So I don't know if my biggest memories of Fresh Prince is from the, its original run or from all the syndication that I spent like the last 20, 30 years watching every time I saw it come on TV. It's probably a little bit of both. Fresh Prince is like one of those shows like Martin, where I know I have physically watched every episode at least maybe two or three times. And I probably can like see an episode and I probably, as soon as I see the beginning of the episode, I probably already know the full premise. And I can tell you the whole thing that everything is going to happen in that episode. It's rare that there's shows out there like that. Like I can't tell you the very first episode of the Fresh Prince that I watched. Cause again, when the show aired, I was I was born in 86, so I was four years old. You was three. We were both too young to actually pinpoint and say this was the moment. However, back then, TV was different than what it is now. So during those evening blocks, they were treated as family moments. So depending on the station or the, the network, you had a different lineup. I don't what uh, Fresh Prince was on CBS, correct? I believe it was on NBC. NBC, my bad. And I don't remember what what other shows was on that lineup, but I know the Fresh Prince was like the the anchor shows. Like whatever whatever show had the 8 p.m. slot, that was the show for that lineup. That was the sweet spot. And that's where the Fresh Prince landed. So on those days when the Fresh Prince aired, that was family. I mean, you was either done with dinner or dinner was being eaten and y'all you and the family gathered around the tv to watch the fresh prince and if it if it was friday y'all was doing that but with family matters full house and step by step and all that the tgi friday the thing god is right and that was on abc right right, cbs had their own lineup i don't remember the other shows i'm pretty sure the other shows was of white families that we didn't really relate to probably showed roseanne or some shit who knows but I remember watching The Fresh Prince. I, I remember um, old Aunt Viv. I remember new Aunt Viv. I remember when the auntie brought home the white boyfriend. I remember when... Classic episodes. I remember when Will Smith got shot and Carlton went ahead and got a gun. Oh, man. So I remember the episode where they were Will and Carlton lost their money and they had to enter a talent show to earn some money back. And they did this dance to the song Apache. And even though that song doesn't have, it didn't have a dance at that moment. To this day, if you're at a party and the song Apache comes on, I promise you, anybody over the age, anybody 30 or over at that party will do the dance Will and Carton did. It's, it's associated with that song from here and forever. That's, that's the dance for that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And nobody, nobody has to teach it to you. 
any it's like you just know it now it's just it's ingrained in us it's crazy yeah man and and the cool thing i liked about this like they let you in on like a couple of little things that you may have never noticed the the jazz being thrown out scene happened like they recorded uh they recorded like the first time they they did it jazz being thrown out because he got thrown out i believe in like the first episode the first time they did it they made him do like a bunch of takes so he had got he said he had done it like a hundred times they were getting thrown out and thrown out and thrown out so eventually they found the one good take and they kept it all the time so if you notice jazz being thrown out of the front door is the exact same video so he said what was crazy thing is he would whenever he would wear that shirt because he would always have to wear that same shirt to make the thing continue so he would wear the shirt in <laughs> so the audience would automatically know if like if you were watching it during the time when it was running live like when he came in wearing that shirt you knew he it was, was gonna, gonna leave thrown out. Was getting thrown out. <laughs> and i was like you know you never i never picked that up you know because i watched it so when i was young i never really thought about it like that um and another thing was that when will first started in the show he went out of his way to learn everybody's lines because it was his first acting gig ever. So, but what he would do would annoy other actors because he would mouth everyone's lines while they were saying it. So it at one point, like Hillary was like, yo, stop. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you messing me up. But that's the only way he could process learning dialogue was by learning everybody's dialogue, memorizing the entire, the entire script, which I think is like, that shows the process of him very early on being that like detail oriented. And dedicated and, to his craft. Yeah, and for it to be something totally new, because he had no, no inkling to do a TV show. Quincy Jones pulled him to do the TV show. I was just about to ask, was Quincy Jones there? Quincy Jones wasn't there. Quincy Jones wasn't there. Um, but like th this, this reunion was mostly just not just mostly. It was cast, cast only. So you had your your you had Nuon Viv originally with with the cast. And then they did a little sit down where him and OG on Viv buried the hatchet. I really wanted to see that. Go when you get a chance, stop and watch it. It'll be, I'm sure it's out there. I wasn't gonna pay for HBO Max. I wasn't, not until the Snyder Cut came out. But I got a little email that said, Oh, if you got Comcast, if you're a subscriber already to HBO, HBO Max is free. I said, Oh, all right. Well, let me um let me jump on it. Put the app on the TV, and I watched it the other day. It was it to me. It's a really good. It was a really good reunion having, and then they brought Aunt Viv, OG Aunt Viv, and the new Aunt Viv together. That was the first time they ever met after thirty plus years. No way. They never met each other. That is crazy. So it was it was a good like it it was a good feel good moment, and they talked about how the show influenced so much like Will's the way Will dress influenced a lot of the, the black culture in the time that Jordan used to send, send new releases six weeks ahead for, for Will to wear on the show so that they could be seen like around the time when they're getting ready to drop. Smart marketing, absolutely like, brilliant marketing. Jordan's always been like super brilliant. The brand, Jordan brand has always been super brilliant with his marketing. And you know, it, it, never, it, it never even hit me how much like Will always had new Jordans on, and I never really thought about it like that because when I was a lot younger, it was more about the show than the other pieces of the aesthetic. But 
I thought it was, I, I, I just feel like that's super dope that they would go out of their way to, you know, use that tool to, to market. And, and it, look at how long this show particularly has resonated with our culture. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, you got Fresh Prince, you have Martin. Like what other show is like really still, like people will still go back and rewatch reruns like that if they're on that are like that much a part of your your upbringing and part of your culture. Like I'm trying to think of shows that that hit that level for us. What else is Cosby? Cosby. Well, that, you're Pre- saying that's part of our generation or just black shows? Period. Black shows that resonated. That that think about. So Cosby would be the Cosby Show would be on there. A different world, I think, would be okay. on there. Things that but were it, like in syndication years and years and years. Like even kids, our even our kids may end up watching them because they'll be in syndication or they'll be now on all these on-demand streaming services that people will still go back into. Right. Um, well, there ain't too many of them, be honest with you, and especially to the caliber that Will Smith achieved or to the levels that Will Smith achieved. It ain't too many. Well, I'm not talking about the the actual actors being on now this new level i'm talking about the actual no show just the sh- no I, being on that's on what i'm saying levels. the show i don't think in, there's any show that is going to be as revered as uh the fresh prince of bel-air because one thing that the fresh prince of bel-air I did i think martin is right on that is right on that level no and the reason i say that is because the show not only did it age well it had a nice send-off. Martin, although it, the jokes and everything on Martin did age well, except that last season where Martin and Gina are not in the same scene at all, it doesn't feel good watching it. Understood. Not going to argue with that. The, the season finale or series finale of Martin where he takes that job in another city and he's, he takes one last look in his apartment and shuts off the light. It doesn't, that season, does, it just didn't feel right. Where Will Smith, when everybody moved out that Bel Air mansion, you had closure as a fan to see the house empty because they all moved out and Will Smith hit the lights. So it was like, all right, it's it's done with. This is it. Um, not too many shows get the nice send-off. Not too many shows age as well as it did. Not too many shows have all their stars age as gracefully as they did with no scandals. The biggest scandal on that show was with Will Smith and his wife this year. Other than that, can you name a bigger one with the cast? Well, I mean, the ongoing feud between him and Aunt Viv has has gone on for like 30 plus years and they both said some stuff about each other. That's going on for a while. That he even Will says he kind of feels like it was like a it's always been it's always tainted his 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 legacy the way that all whole thing played out. Like they're actually doing And okay, I was joking talk. about the stuff this year about Will and his wife. That was that was me bullshitting. But in all honesty, nah, what Marvin is talking about is the biggest scandal. And and if that's your biggest scandal that your show is tied to, that's not bad. I mean, uh, granted, you don't want none of your 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 actors or your favorite your favorite actors from your TV show fighting each other, let alone publicly. But if that's the only thing you can say that's your biggest scandal, you're not doing bad. And it's nice to see that after all this time, they finally came together to have a heart to heart. She was able to say what she needed to say to him. He was able to listen and respond to her. 
And that, to me, that was probably the biggest takeaway from the show was seeing everybody all together, um, them celebrating Uncle Phil, uh, James Avery in real life. Uh, so I just wanted to start on something overly positive. And it, it just was a, it was a good it was a good feeling show. So when you get a chance to watch it, please do. Please do. Hey, have you been able to see the uh, Kevin Hart special? I did. I watched it uh, the other day, actually. Uh, Zero Fucks Given. Yeah, Zero Fucks Given. Uh, I I want to say it was like two weeks ago, Kevin Hart releases his special on Netflix, Zero Fucks Given. Uh, It was shot in his home. People were socially distanced. They had on their mask and everything. There might have been like 20, 30 people in the room. You know, Kev talked about a bunch of different things. Kev admitted that he had COVID earlier on when it first got started. He said... uh, He caught it around the same time as Tom Hanks. Yeah, which is because Tom Hanks was the first it. big celebrity to uh, to it was reported that had COVID. He was in Australia at the time. I remember that. Yeah, he talks about having COVID. He talks about um, <laughs> he talks about sex after forty. Um, he talks about uh, group chats with his homies, which I, which to me was one of the funnier things because that's literally in the group chats that I'm in, like. Yo, these group chats be ranging from damn, she got a fat ass to a hey, Tesla's up 12%. Like, and then it'll be like, hey, does anybody know what ingredients I should put in? I'm trying to make lamb. Like, th- that's how these group chat conversations go. No, I related to that joke a lot. I, that was probably one of the better jokes to me. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that was probably my first like huge, huge laugh because I was like, yeah, I, I know this life. This is literally what my, I could go to my group chat right now. I know this, this is exactly the type of dumb shit that we talking about. It's going to be random screenshots of shit. Just, hey, here goes something to start a conversation. And then we just start talking. He also talked about how, you know, his daughter has a little, <laughs> his daughter have whole tendencies. Cause, cause now every all week she like a new boy. Every week she like a new boy. Um, and at first you're like, oh, that, that joke and hearing that kind of puts you back. Like, oh, what you mean? She like 12, 13. But then when he dis- when he tells the story about how he get to the school and see everybody else, he like you know what? Yeah, I can, I, I can see why she like it. Oh, I can see why she like him. I can see why she like him now. So it was a, it was an interesting joke. I, I I like that one. Overall, how did you feel about the special? I know he received a lot of flack for it, like, but that seems to be the trend with Kevin. He makes comedy that's that's true to his brand. Like if you've been listening to Kevin for a while. And I've been a fan of Kevin Hart for a very long time. I've been to several of his shows when they were at the Fillmore in Miami Beach. I've been to his shows when they were like $30 a ticket. I don't even want to know what his tickets cost now. I know the last time I went to his show, his tickets were like $100, over $100 a piece. And it was at the AAA. But anyways, I'm a fan of his. I've been to his shows. I watch his specials. I like him. And... This special was on brand to his comedy. He makes jokes about his family, especially his kids. He makes jokes about his friends. He, 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 his jokes have ex- exaggerated scenarios. Again, all of it is on brand to him. So for me as a fan, I thought it was cool. I laughed at some jokes. I didn't laugh as hard at other jokes, and which is fine. You know what I mean? But I, I wouldn't trash this. I'm not going to trash it. I thought it was just, hey, this is Kevin's style of comedy. And if you appreciate this style of comedy, you would like it. But if you're going, and I think 
this is just my opinion. Um, I, and I would like to know your opinion when it comes to critiquing Kevin Hart. When Kevin Hart was a smaller act, it seemed like people embraced him for who he was. But as he started to grow, as his celebrity grown to the point where people were throwing him or throwing him his name in the same sentence as people like Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, as he started to enter um, conversation of, is he a comedic legend? That's when perspective on him started to shift. That's when people wanted to say things like, well, if he's going to be in the same boat as these guys, we need more introspective stuff from him. We need more gut-punching comedy from him. And my thing is, is that was never his brand of comedy. I mean, he's a legend in his own right. He's he's built his comedy empire from nothing. He's built it from, you know, doing small shows and then doing Comic View and Def Comedy Jam and all that other shit. Um, he's gotten very far in his particular craft, further than most. And not only that, he's reached back a lot to help people too. He has his own comedy network, Laugh Out Loud. Um, he he produces and he produces and acts in movies he's done a lot i mean so what he's not going to get you you know the chris rock you know increase the price of bullets joke he's not going to give you the dave Chappelle. he rapes but he saves more than he rapes jokes he's not going to give you you know eddie murphy raw uh when he tells a joke about you know, bringing over an African woman because she doesn't, she doesn't have American woman tendencies joke. He's not going to give you that because that's not, that's not his brand of comedy. He's going to give you the, you know, his daddy was a crackhead. All right, all right, all right. That's his thing. So if you're not, if that's not your style of comedy, if you don't find that funny, then don't watch it. Simple as that. I, I don't, I don't disagree with your, with your take on, on Kevin. Um, I, I, my fandom with Kevin Hart's specials have been hit or miss. I think Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart's first two, first two specials are probably some of the, two of the best comedy specials ever. Like I don't, I, to this day could go back and rewatch them and they're just as good. I'm still, all right, all right. Like I'm still going to laugh at all those jokes, jokes that I saw him do at the Fillmore, and I still went and watched the special and laughed my ass off because I was like, oh, I know what's coming. I'm waiting for my part. Like, that's how much I enjoyed those specials. Since then, as he's gone to the arenas and all of that, I haven't necessarily found... I haven't necessarily found his specials to be all that funny. Um, And it's like you're saying, some people want a deeper a deeper, you know, more thoughtful joke. Like, like some people want to want something to speak on something more than just what's in your little wheelhouse. Like they want you to address current events, which all those other comedians they I named, they've addressed current events in some fashion. And Kevin Hart has yet to do that really. Yeah. Kevin Hart has a lot of the criticism of staying very in the middle all the time. Like he has a box, he stays in it. It's safe. He doesn't affect any of his political, like he doesn't choose any political affiliations or stuff like that in his comic. I mean, in his comedy and people, 
people go, people really go after him and judge him for that because you're one of the biggest, you're the, you, he is definitively the biggest voice in comedy has, he's the reigning like king of comedy. If you know, for lack of a better word. Um, so for him to not step up and maybe address, especially with all the shit that's gone on, uh, in this country, you know, over the past since what 12, 15 years since he's been around, and he's never really addressed anything ever it, on on his specials. I'm gonna be very clear when I'm talking about his specials. People feel as if he is he knows his brand and he's not gonna fuck with his brand, so he won't even go out of his way to step up and say anything that would how would Jay say it? You know, fuck with his political affiliations. You know what I mean? Um, so, and I think that's always going to be a, a very big criticism for, for Kevin, as long as he stays in that box. I know he's a funny guy. Like, I know that his comedic mind is great, but I feel like his comedy hasn't grown. Like, at least some of those guys, you can hear growth in the comedy. Like, I can hear growth in the man in his, in his art. Like, Jay-Z, I can hear the growth of the man in his art. I'm not... I hate that I'm always going back to Jay, but like I can tell you, like this is somebody I spent. Jay's a great case study for a lot of different things, so it's okay. Yeah, this is like somebody who spent 25 to 30 years in the game, and I've seen this man go from like that 25, 26 year old. Like Jay's 50 something now, you know what I'm saying? Walking around in those little shorts in 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 Hawaii, and people making fun of how he dressed, but that dude's a billionaire. Like Jay has, has transitioned, but you can hear the growth in his art, like the growth of him in his mind as a man in his art. And I think people don't necessarily get that from Kevin. All you really get is him. You know, he'll talk about his kids. He'll talk about whatever scandal he's found himself in this time. Um, Cause that's kind of been like the last three or four specials have to me have always been like, in response to me doing this and cheating or in response to me not doing the Oscars. Like there's always an in response. Like he's always has to defend himself in these specials where I feel like he's not getting the comedy off. Like let's do more than, and that's, that's my biggest knock for Kev growth. Cause at this point you got four kids now. You, I, there needs to be, there has to be more stuff going on in your life. I, I understand kids become a lot, a large part of your life when you're a father. Not knocking that, but dude, you're you're a business. The, one of the better things that Netflix put out during this pandemic was that Kevin Hart, uh, like little six part series, where it kind of chronicled his ho dropping out as the host of the Oscars and why he made the decisions he made and his perspective and all that. It gave me a better insight into understanding why he played the whole situation the way he played it. And I feel like the man I saw there bring that to the stage a little bit. Like, give us a little bit more of your insight. I just feel like he doesn't do that. You make a great point. And I think that's probably where a lot of people struggle with their fandom of Kevin Hart. He shows no growth. Um, again, like I said, it's always, the only growth that he shows is the growth of, again, his family and his friends are consist of a large part of his comedy and his life. So the growth that you see is jokes about him being rich now, jokes about him being famous now, jokes about his kids getting older, and jokes about the situation him and his friends get in. And that's about it. People would like to see more growth than that. And I think you make a good point with that. 
going back to the situation he was in, uh, was that last year? I want to say that was that was last year, right? Or the year it was. before? It was last year? last year. Okay, so that situation he got into last year in Vegas. When that happened, um, when that happened shortly thereafter, he had a because he comes out with a comedy special every year. And I forgot oh, the, the name. Vegas thing? The Vegas thing? I, I thought we were talking about the Oscar thing. The Vegas thing? I no, yeah. Like two years ago. Okay, two years ago. It was while right, she was so, pregnant with the first kid. With the okay. first of their kids. Thank you for correcting me. So that Vegas incident that happened two years ago, um, his next comedy special after that, um, people were excited to hear it because every comedian has, I'm not going to say every comedian, but most comedians have a moment in their life where something polarizing happens in a sense whether good or bad happens and they feed off of that and they talk about it because the thing is um when something life-changing happens again they're human at the end of the day they might not want to talk about it in the public light however their career choices kind of forces them to so then they have to take it upon themselves to how can i talk about this with people that connect with me in a way where I'm comfortable speaking about it. Um, with Dave Chappelle, if you're a fan of Dave Chappelle, we all would know is when his the Chappelle show ended, that was that was a huge moment in his life. And he's talked about it on more than one occasion. And every time he talks about it, he he enlightens you to something different about that scenario that happened. Because when that happened, I mean he was in the news for a lot of shitty reasons. They were calling him crazy and he fled to Africa and he gave up like $50 million and blah, blah, blah. They painted him in a lot of negative lights. You didn't hear from Dave Chappelle for a couple of years and then he resurfaces and then it's like, okay, what happened? You know? So then he's right. forced to talk about it. So another good point you made that I would like to piggyback on was that six part series on Netflix was good. Cause that was the first time as a fan of his, you were able to see uh, a different light of him. You was able to see him as an, because the, the image that Kevin portrays is he's a happy-go-lucky good guy. Well, in that special, you got to see him as a human. You got to see him as an asshole, like when they were playing poker or spades and he was being real nasty to his friend, his trainer. He was being real nasty to his trainer to the point where they damn near got into a fight. And then even that, he had a good joke about it. He was saying, look, after we got into that argument, Kevin ended up slapping him and they, you know, separated him. Now his trainer isn't a small dude. So they separate him. Kevin is sitting on this side of the plane. He's, the trainer's on the other side of the plane and Kevin said he's looking at him and the guy is steaming, he's hot. And then um, they're flying to their destination. And as, you know, as tension, you know, as tension starts to simmer down, Kevin realized like, oh, this nigga is mad and he can kill me easily. So now Kevin is starting to get nervous. And then right before the plane lands, boss, that's his name. The trainer looks up to him and says, I hope you're ready. And Kevin's like, oh shit, I'm about to die. So as soon as the plane lands, boss gets off the plane. Now boss is waiting for him. But then, you know, the friends come and they stop and break it up. But when he tells that story, he tells it in a comedic way. He mentions that he was an asshole and that he was finna get his ass whooped. And you know how it was resolved. And the thing is, you got to see Kevin fuck up. You got to see how Kevin thought his way, think those his way through those situations and grow from those situations. 
you know, from, because I believe he lost his, his opportunity to host the Oscars off of a gay joke he made back in 2008. And one of the interesting things about that six part series is when they told him or when he realized what it was about that his gay son joke um that he made on twitter in 2008 now if he was ever on twitter in 2008 it was a completely different place than it is now twitter was wilding agreed but he's made that joke that joke is in his that joke is in his first special that same joke is in his first special which was it took place like 2007 2008 agreed. yeah agreed so yeah thank you for bringing that up so this is something that's old and again twitter being what it is now people's going to dig up your past and then they're going to hold you to those same standards today although things were different back then what i took away from that six-part series coming to real coming to that realization was very difficult for him for some reason he was just so stubborn about it was hard for him to understand that hey this is what people are mad at and this is what you need to do to make it better and again that type of growth he should have brought to the stage and he doesn't make himself the subject enough in in no in his comedy no it's everyone else and he doesn't talk about his own growth and i think that that could take his comedy to the next level and i think that's what's hindering him the most um but you brought up a good point uh, you brought up Chappelle, and recently Chappelle. I don't know about you, but I was super excited when uh, they announced that the Chappelle show was going to be dropping on Netflix. Um, as as a big fan of the Chappelle show, Chappelle is my up, favorite comedy comedian ever. He's one of my favorite people ever. So okay. yeah. Matter of fact, fan. pause before we jump into this. Give me your top three comedians. Your top three. Your top three. Who cares what anybody else has to say? Who are your top three comedians? Dave Chappelle, number one. Bernie Mac, number two. Wow. Okay. We have two of the same. Go ahead. <laughs> Who's your last one? Dave Chappelle, Bernie Mac, and my third favorite comedian would be... Let me see. Because uh, the thing is, I love comedians. Let me... Um, I would say my third favorite. Because he... Okay, so Dave Chappelle and... Dave Chappelle is is head and shoulders above everybody. Bernie Mac is second place, but he's head and shoulders above everybody else. The third place is, is a little closer to everybody else. So if I were to give that third place, not if, but the third place goes to, third place would be Cat Williams. Cat. Mm. Mm. Okay, Cat would definitely be in my top five if I had to do a top five. But um, much like you, Chappelle is my number one. Bernie Mac is my my number two. And they aren't that far apart from each other. Um, they're, they're kind of far in my book. That's but fine. That's, that's just fine. how much I like Chappelle, though. I love Not Chappelle. Not a knock against Chappelle Bernie. Had, Chappelle's just had a little bit more. And in more recent years, he's dropped more shit. So, right. Which Bernie Mac couldn't do because he passed away. So I got Chappelle, Mac. And my third one is Eddie Murphy. That's just oh fuck. <laughs> okay, I do over, do over. That he's my third. <laughs> can't get no do over. Can't he's get no my third. Over. Damn. That cat is your number three, man. But on the Chappelle, like you said, we're both big fans of Chappelle. Chappelle show dropped on Netflix on uh, November first, and I literally I was like, all right, so I know 
on my free time, I'm going to be watching some of my favorite skits, some of my favorite episodes. Like, I was excited to sit down and be able to watch because I remember when they announced it, it was like, oh, it's coming out November 1st. And it was like October 27th. Like, it was like really weird, the rollout of a huge show that would probably get a lot of traction. It just was thrown out there. And then literally it had been on my continue watching you know, group of shows that I watch and I had been, you know, churning through them a little bit. And then all of a sudden, earlier last week, it was gone. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't know I had removed it from my continue watching. So I go back, I'm Googling, I'm looking it up again, not Googling, but like I'm searching for it in Netflix. The and term bring- Google is synonymous with searching now. That's what Googling means. It I doesn't- know, but- yeah. To, to Google, I have to Google in Google. So not necessarily. Not Google just means search. You just that's what it's evolved to. Or maybe, maybe. So I'm searching for it in Netflix and I can't find it. It just keeps showing me the specials. So come to find out, Netflix pulled the Chappelle show from 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 its library completely. And I didn't, I like, I thought it was weird, but I didn't like dive into it too deep. Cause you know, people lose, they lose licenses to things all the time. I don't really, you know, I was mad. I didn't get to finish. I was like, you know, damn, that's my fault for having almost a month. And I didn't get through, you know, it's only two seasons. I really want to watch. I should have watched them. Uh, come to find out it was actually Dave Chappelle who requested that Netflix remove the entire Chappelle show. Now, you know, like you said earlier, Chappelle and him leaving him leaving Comedy Central during season three of the Chappelle during the filming of season three of the Chappelle show is is like, you know, we're it's infamous. We all are aware of what happened. He left. They say he went to Africa. He they tried to say he had a nervous breakdown and all this other shit. And he was horrible to work with, and this, this, and that. Da 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 da. da. So Chappelle and Viacom have had plenty of issues ever since and if you guys don't know viacom pretty much owns like half the channels you watch mtv vh1 um cbs like they own the comedy central they own a lot of channels okay so this back and forth that he's been having with them has been going on for a while Chappelle said uh that yes he did sign a paper long time ago saying that that they could, you know, that they have ownership of his work. But to be honest, they never told him they were going to stream it. They still haven't paid him for any of these streams. That's his work. That's literally, that's this is Dave Chappelle's work on TV. And he's not being paid for any of this because they're still holding him to that contract. He feels like ethically it's wrong. He went to Netflix and presented this to them. And Netflix, knowing all the money that they've made, off of Dave Chappelle, they were like, hey, Dave, you right. And he snatched it down. So a lot of people are feeling, I, I've heard two different two different vibes to this. A lot, some people feel like Chappelle should kind of, like, that's business. Chappelle should just kind of deal with the fact that that's what happened and he should be able to move on. Or, hey, they stand with Dave Chappelle. What's your take on it? Because he did say he signed the paper. Like, they have every legal right to stream The Chappelle Show. But just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. I, that's that's why I want your take. I think it was very commendable for Netflix to stand. Not 
not commendable. It's also a smart business decision. You saw what his numbers did when he released specials on your platform. So if he says, hey, don't fuck with these people because they fucked me over, any smart, any smart business person would say, you know what? You're right. If you don't like them, fuck them. And that's basically what happened. But at the same time, um, it, you still commend business for showing ethical practices. And I believe what they did on Dave's behalf of removing the show was ethical. Recently, Dave Chappelle released an 18-minute uh, clip on Instagram where he kind of details what you was talking about a little bit more. And he does it in a very Dave Chappelle way. He tells stories that ties into a bigger story. So he tells a story about when he was 14 years old doing comedy and he came up with a pretty good joke. And an older comedian was like, hey, I like that joke. I'm going to do a show somewhere. Can I borrow that joke? Being a young man in comedy, he ain't know any better. He was like, all right, sure, you can use the joke. So the guy does the joke. Fast forward a little bit. Dave and this guy is performing at a bar or a comedy club, my bad. And the guy happened to go ahead of Dave. He uses Dave's joke. So now Dave is like, look, I'm a young comedian. I need all the jokes I can get. Kind of, It kind of sucked that the guy used the joke ahead of him, although it was Dave's joke. So Dave tells the guy, hey, look, I want my joke back. Right. Because it fucked up his set. Right. And the guy was like, like, basically, like, I could just take this joke. Like, you're a kid. What are you going to do? Dave learned a valuable lesson there. Then Dave tells a story about when he was in New York and he saw a guy playing three-card Monty. You know what three-card Monty is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's watching uh, these guys play three-card Monty, and he felt he had an edge because he, he felt he noticed that the, the red card had a slight bend in the corner. So he's like, look, I'm, I'm going to win this. So he goes, he puts his money on the table, and the guys are shuffling the cards, blah, 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 blah. He's like, all right, find a red card. He believed he thought the card was in the middle. He picks it. It wasn't the red card. Now he lost all his money. So he's hurt. He's disappointed. And then he's watching and he's paying attention to the environment. And he realized that everybody around the three card Monty guy are hooting, hollering, and they're in on it. So when the next sucker goes to put his money down, Dave stops him. Hey, don't put your money down. This is, it's all rigged. And these are all his friends. The guy doing the three card Monty gets up. Roughs up Dave Chappelle, grabs him by his collar and tells him, hey, look, don't ever get between a man and his food. He said he learned the valuable lessons from that. He ties that all into the story of his deal with, with uh, Comedy, Comedy Central. Central. Right. So basically what he, how he ties it in is saying that the beast Comedy Central is, is the same beast that the Me Too girls are fighting against. They're fighting against the way this beast fucks. He's fighting against the way this beast eats. So basically what he's saying is what that beast did to him is their version of three card Monty. This is how they eat by screwing over people like him. And to tie Mm. back the first story that he told, they could either give him his jokes back, i.e. his money, or he can take it. So by telling Netflix to boycott his show, that's him taking that power back. Right. And he said it more eloquently and more cleverly than I just reiterated it. So if you ever get a chance, please watch it. In fact, 
on the Samurai Pros uh, Twitter. We're going to post the link to it. So if you want to watch it, please click on it and take a look at it yourself. I highly encourage that you do. But yeah, going back to answer your question, I agree with Dave telling his fans to not watch it. And with the moment he said that, I vowed, hey, I'm not going to watch it. If Dave Chappelle's not making money from this, I'm not going to. I'm not going to benefit from it. I've seen it when they first aired. I can remember the jokes. I still enjoy the jokes. I own it. Even though people don't own, people don't have DVDs, but I actually do own season one and two on DVD. Matter of fact, okay, real quick, what's your favorite joke from the Chappelle series? You don't have, matter of fact, you don't have to tell me your favorite joke. Just tell me one of the jokes that still is hilarious to you or a moment that's still hilarious to you whenever you think about it. Um, I'm always going to go back to, I'm always going to go back to the Charlie Murphy episode with, with Rick James. I, that's probably my favorite because it's different. It's a totally different episode compared to like all of the, the other. Yeah. Cause right. this episode is literally Charlie Murphy telling the story and it's the entire episode instead of just little clips here and there. And that's what I liked about that. So yeah, it's always going to be the Rick James. So I'm going to name two. The first one is from that episode actually. And then my favorite part of the episode, and I still laugh at it every time I think about it. Um, it's the part where Charlie Murphy tells the story about uh, Rick James coming into Eddie's Murphy's house with blood, with mud on his boots, not blood. I'm sorry with mud on his boots and he steps on Eddie Murphy's couch and he's grinding his feet in Eddie Murphy's couch. And the way the episode is, it's like a E it's set up like E true Hollywood or something like that. So Charlie Murphy tells the story. I'm sure the people, then, I'm sure the people, I'm sure the, at least our listeners have seen this. this. If they haven't just okay. by chance, if they haven't Charlie Murphy tells the story, then they go to Rick James to confirm the story. And then Dave Chappelle acts out the story. So in this particular instant, Charlie Murphy tells a story. When they go to Rick James to confirm the story, Rick James says, what do I look like stepping on Eddie Murphy's couch? I got more sense than that. And in the same breath, he says, yeah, I remember stepping on Eddie Murphy's couch. And then it cuts to that famous line, cocaine's a, a hell of a drug. drug. <laughs> a hell of a drug. I love that scene so much. I'm like, he just said, why would I step on this man's couch? I got more sense than that. Yeah, I remember stepping on his couch. <laughs> it's like literally in the same breath. It's in the same a, breath. And, and so, Chappelle had so many good quotables out of that. Like, I still, like, if we play in Madden or something like that and I beat you, I'm going to still hit you with a game. Game blouses. blouses. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I still, I'm still going to do that. You know, the Prince episode is another Charlie Murphy episode. Those are probably my two favorite episodes, period. We could do that all night. We can go back and forth with favorite Chappelle moments all night. Um, I, I, I will say I find what he did, I find what Netflix did to be commendable by standing by a guy who brings in X amount of dollars to them. It's also just a business move for them, to be honest. Right. But it is still commendable because they could have, like, honestly, they could have hit them hit with, hey, look, you we understand the contract. that. You sign a contract, you deal with Viacom and, and Comedy Central. Don't that ain't got nothing to do with it. We just stream it. Right, but, exactly. But because he is a content creator directly putting out his stuff exclusively on Netflix, they know Dave Chappelle at any moment, because he's already proven it to to like he did with Viacom. Like, yo, I don't necessarily need this. Like, cool. Y'all don't want me to put out stuff after X amount of time. All right, I'll go sit down for another three or four years till this contract is done. 
and then I'll go and like he doesn't have to be on. It's good to have a, a distributing service like Netflix, but if you want to see some Chappelle, he demands that he like he has he demands a certain type of audience. Wherever he goes, we will follow. Period. Yeah. If yeah. you're on Netflix, we're on Netflix. If he goes to YouTube, if he goes to Vine, we will be back on Vine. Simple as that. Yeah, like people are going to follow to see what he has to say about whatever it is is going on in the times. Because that's one of the things that Chappelle does well is he speaks on what's going on in the world. So, uh, like I said, uh, I stand with, I stand by what Netflix did. I, not, and I stand by it, but like I understand why Netflix did what they did. Um, I, I Chappelle, you know, putting in the request and and being like, hey, these people are screwing me over. They screwed me over. I, I'm I'm not for this shit. So I don't knock him for it. Like, honestly, if you could demand that type of, like, if you could demand that type of request, there's nothing wrong with having, why not? This, to me, this just showed, like, it's such a boss-ass move in on his part. It, it shows a level of power that he has over there at Netflix. That 18-minute clip sparked a bunch of conversations and one that I, one in particular that I found interesting some people were comparing what Viacom and Comedy Central did to Chappelle. They're comparing that to what Netflix did to Monique. And I completely disagree with that. Hmm. Dave Chappelle signed a contract with Viacom. And although he delivered on his end of the contract, from my opinion, um, contract stipulations allowed Viacom to withhold some money for work that he's done. But since he didn't fully live out every detail of that contract they're able to withhold money from him although they do have enough to profit off of him and what he's done and what they profit on they don't have to share it with him which i think is fucked up however the situation with monique is she went to netflix looking for a deal to to have that streaming service host uh host her comedy special and they lowballed her i believe they offered her $500,000 where they was offering somebody, like, not somebody, like, where, where they were offering Amy Schumer, like, several million, tens several, of millions. Several million. Yeah, tens of millions of dollars they was offering Amy Schumer. So, uh, Monique felt, you know, that was foul, and there was some racist motives behind that and so forth. The reason I don't feel it's the same move, because... One, you still own the rights to your comedy special. You can take that elsewhere. And if the and if the demand for you is there, people will find you. People would people would consume your content. Now, you can't make somebody give you the money you want. It's not like you could hold a gun to Netflix's head and say, "Hey, you're going to give me the same forty million I gave her." This is a deal. This is a mutual agreement. Now, if Netflix don't feel you're worth that money, then that's on them. If you are worth that money, you know you're worth, you can probably get it elsewhere. And that's why I feel it's different because she still owns the right to her content, whereas Dave Chappelle doesn't own the right to his content. I, I, now that you bring that up, now that you bring that up, um, I, I've been, I had a major project this week, so I wasn't really heavily on Twitter this week as, as I could be. Um, and I did see something about Monique, but I dismissed it uh, just because I was I was working hard. I really didn't have time. And now that you say, it, I kind of see why people feel away because it's it's crazy how how people rallied around Dave Chappelle in 
And, oh, you know, like you said earlier, I'm not going to watch it because, you know, if Chappelle's not getting paid, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, support that shit. But we, like, like, people really, like, dismiss Monique for, for wanting to name her price and for bringing up that other people were out here making crazy amount of dollars and you only wanted to offer, you know, the black woman this, this little... 500,000 is not chump change to you and me, but in that world, it's kind of dismissive. So I can totally see why people feel, feel away how people just rallied around Chappelle and people dissed and made jokes about Monique for, for, for weeks on it. Now, yes, not all her decisions during that, during that campaign were great. Chappelle did do a lot of this shit behind the scenes, but I think Monique, by bringing it to light, kind of shed some light on the way Netflix values values her and other black uh other black uh female comedians cuz i mean think about it how many black female comedians have big netflix specials out like that Wanda Sykes she was brought up during the Monique thing and Monique even said that Wanda wasn't making over 500,000 like there were people who weren't making like the, she, she was she was fighting for herself but she did bring up that other black women weren't getting the offers of the Amy Schumer's and all of that now I understand Amy Schumer may demand a certain amount of audience so she feel like she can pull some money but I do but let's not dismiss Monique for wanting to be like you're devaluing her like I, I, okay. I I'm glad Time you up. said that I'm not dismissing Monique. I'm not devaluing her by any means. What I'm saying and why I feel it's a different fight, Monique, you still own the rights to your content, whereas Dave Chappelle does not. I'm not, but that's not the argument that from, from, from the tweet, as you brought it up, I looked up some tweets or the things that people were saying. And the majority of what people were saying really wasn't about how Netflix handled the situation. It's more about how the people, us, the audience reacted to the demand of hearing about this. Now, clearly, okay. clearly the way, like just as quickly as you could have been like, Hey, um, I'm rallying around Chappelle. Cause she, you know, if Chappelle don't like it, I'm not fucking with it. They try him. We clearly could have went the exact other way and be like, my nigga, you signed a contract. Don't take away the Chappelle show for me as a Chappelle fan. I want to watch Chappelle show on Netflix that I already have. So now you taking that away from me. Now I got to go and find another way to watch the Chappelle show. Like, because you, because you fucked up and you signed a contract that's on you. Don't, don't fuck me over. Cause you fucked up. See, you could take that very different ways. So the fact that people rallied around Chappelle in one way and demean and joked on Monique and, and like Monique went on a whole tour in a campaign trying to get this shit going and just bring up the fact that she felt like she was demeaned in the situation. And we all laughed at Monique. People had Monique jokes. That's this and that and the other. So I, I, I totally see where people are coming from with that. It is kind of fucked up. Now that I look, now that I look at it, it is kind of a fucked up situation about the people. I'm not talking about how Netflix handled it. Netflix had their right, their company, but. Okay. So what I was responding to was, was arguments about this being a similar situation to what Dave has endured, but I do would like to t I would like to talk about what you the messages you saw and what you're responding to, and with that, um, yeah, up until the Netflix situation, and I guess you can blame her PR for this. Her public image wasn't the best um, up until 
the whole Netflix scenario, every time you heard story stories or anything of her as, I guess, a regular person, you would hear how she's difficult to deal with, how her and her husband tried to bully themselves through these meetings and so forth. And ultimately... A lot alleged, because a, a lot she attributes yeah, yeah. Tyler Perry and, and, and Oprah like saying a lot of things and these are two big names in in black media and media period so right probably two of the biggest yeah she attributes a lot of that that negativity and and her being difficult to work with she attributes a lot of that to them which is interesting because if you watch the the fresh breakfast prince, club oh my no mom. no no if you watch the fresh prince special when when the reunion i when, seen that clip black on Will, yeah when she says yeah. When she sits down with him, she says one of the, the hardest things to do is to label a black woman in that business of Hollywood is to label that person as difficult to work with. Because of, especially being not being the light skinned black woman, like it, it's already doubly hard for you to even get work. And now for you to be the black woman where you're difficult to work with, it like blackballs you from ever getting work. For that to have been the thing that be going around about Monique, not saying that it's like not true. I don't know because I don't work with them. But that is it is a it is a little fucked up situation. Um I, I just wanted to tie that back in. But you make a good point and that that is a tough stigma to bounce back from. And um because black women already have the, the thing of being bitchy and all this other shit that people try to throw on them. If you're a fan of scandal, like Rowan Pope said, like Papa Pope says, you got to be twice as good to get half of what they got. That's, that's basically what it is for black women. So for Monique to deal with that was tough. However, I do remember when that was happening and I didn't hear her side and that's all I had to go off of was what other people were saying. It didn't paint her in a nice light. However, when she did that Breakfast Club interview and she spoke her piece, it made all the sense in the world that she was right. So this is basically her story and I'm gonna sum it up real quick. She signed a contract to, to portray this role in a movie. She said, okay, I'm gonna portray this role. However, they wanted her to do marketing for free. They wanted her to travel, and they wanted her to do all these press releases and blah, blah, blah for free. But the thing is, is, hey, the agreement I made was to portray this role. All this other stuff, this is my time and effort. So I should be compensated for this. Whereas right. from her story, they didn't want to compensate her for that. And that's where she got the label of being difficult and so forth. And it makes sense. Like, so bringing it back to the other gentleman we spoke about, Kevin Hart. He says when he does a movie, when he signs on to play a role, that's what he does. And if you want him to market, if you want him to tweet about it or anything, you have to pay him additional for that. That way he creates multiple streams of income. The same thing what Monique was trying to do, but yet she gets the difficult label attached to her name. And I think where she kind of, where her PR team led her wrong, was they let it go on so long before she cleared all that up. And if she was trying to clear all that up prior to this, prior to her trying to launch this special, it it was it was poor attempts because nobody heard anything be, until or, she went on the Breakfast Club. Or the two big names that we stated earlier are such huge conglomerates, it quieted down a lot of her 
trying to do shit. Because hey, if Monique has difficult, if, if I hear Monique is difficult to work with and this isn't that, I might not even want her on the Breakfast Club. I might not even want to hear from her as she tries to do whatever. And she may have kept it quiet, just trying to, hey, I'm just whatever they say, let them say it. I'm gonna just try to keep getting work. And she tried for years. And maybe she just thought, okay, all of this will blow over, and it never blew over. Right. Yeah, so. Um, but from the point she was making, I can understand where people are frustrated to see everybody rally behind a man, and yet they let a black woman fall down to the wayside. Mm. And yes, I do get that's that's uncomfortable. And from that perspective, yeah, it's horrible. But overall, the point I was making is different scenarios. However, um, I do feel... Monique, if she hasn't, I would have liked to see her take her work to another platform. Because again, I remember her in Queens of Comedy. She's a great comedian. I would still like to see her stuff. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think her her perspective would be would be really great to hear around these times. And again, I bet she's one of those comedians that would have jokes around the hardships of her life. And I know me as a fan of comedy, I would love to hear her perspectives on those difficult moments and how she spins it to get the funny out of it. I think some of the best comedians on this earth are people who've gone through very hard times because it takes a very special person to go through hardships and tell you about those hardships in a way where you can get the message but get a laugh out of it comedians good comedians are terrific at giving you the medicine with candy and i don't going back to kevin hart that's a that's a talent that he's yet to develop he doesn't know how to give you the medicine with the candy and i think the larger audience of comedy that's what we want somebody who can give us the medicine with the candy Eddie Murphy was able to do that. Richard Pryor was able to do that. Dave Chappelle is able to do that. Bernie Mac was able to do that. Patrice O'Neill was able to do that. Oh, man, shout out Patrice O'Neill. Bill Burr is able to do that. Cat Williams, George Carlin, the list goes on. All right, so now we're going to move on to our new segment. Uh... Bob's of the Week. Now, real quick. How old does the song have to be to be considered a vibe of the week? Does it have to be a new song or it could be any song that I'm vibing to that week? Okay, so this is our segment. We can make it what it is. I think if we're going to call it, because you have two, there's two points. There's the classic vibes and then there's new vibes. So oh, okay. you, have, you have two spots. I think classic vibes, I think you might want to give it a little time. That's just my personal opinion. But okay. Whatever, if you think something that came out in 2018 is a classic to you, by all means, Frank, you do that. Okay. So go with your classic vibe of the week. So my classic vibe of the week for this week would be uh, Goody Mob with the song Black Ice. Mm, okay, okay. Okay, I fucks with it. Go ahead. What's your classic vibe? All right, my classic vibe. If y'all know me, y'all know I'm an R&B ass nigga at heart. You know, uh, I love me some, like, I have a, a playlist on my phone that I think is like 50 hours deep at this point. You shared it with me. It's a dope playlist. Hey, it's, hey, you know, I appreciate the love. I didn't make any of the music, but I just put it together. Um, but my classic vibe of the week has been, it's like probably one of my all-time favorite songs, like probably definitely in my top five favorite songs 
ever to be made. So into you by Tamia. Like I love that song. I could sing that song all day. I could hear it all day, all night. I, I love that song. So into you by Tamia is just that is a good song. See? That See? is a good song. Even even the even the little fabulous remix version, you know, into you, it, it works for me. I always go back to that song. It's a nice song. Yeah, and I've been listening to it a lot. Like I, I, I probably listen to it like once a week anyway. But, <laughs> but I've been listening to it a whole lot this week, and I mean I had to share it. So into you, about to me, y'all. If you if you listen to this, I'm sure you love it. So, all right, Frank, what's your new vibe of the week? Okay, so new vibe. How old it has to be to still be considered new? If if it came out in the last in 2019 and now, like I feel like, come on, Frank, it got to be okay. New. Okay, okay. <laughs> so if it came out in 2019, it will still pass. I don't necessarily think it's a new vibe, but I mean, go but ahead. what if you just got on it? You might have just got on it. So by all means, what's your new vibe of the week, sir? I want to find. I want to make sure I know when it came out. Oh, it came out in 2019. So come on now. Come on now. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson Pack, make it better. Okay. Have you, you familiar with that one? I haven't heard that one yet. I, I don't I wouldn't mind you sharing it with me. Okay, so Anderson Pack. So my new vibe of the week is from an artist named Young Blue. That's Y-U-N-G-B-L-E-U. <laughs> Young Blue. Featuring Drake, it's and called. Blur. Yeah, That's how you pronounce that? It's French. <laughs> Blur. Okay, I'm gonna take your word for it. You speak Creole. <laughs> All right. Uh, the song is called "Your Mind Still." Oh, possessive, isn't he? It's a little possessive. It's it's like, it, you know, it's just that perspective of a guy saying, you know, you seeing his ex girl, you know, you still mind. Da, da da da. I believe Frank will be a hater on this song. I even when I heard it, I was like. Frank, Frank, I hate this song because Frank don't like songs like he, as y'all know, Frank hates Marvin's room, the song like he hated that song. Course, I don't hate your actual room. I've never no, been there. No, it's fine. I, I'm not inviting <laughs> you to my bedroom. <laughs> there are no meetings in my bedroom. You have no, you have no reason to be there. <laughs> hates the the song Marvin's Room because it's Drake, you know, calling a girl, you know, you know, low-key trying to draw her back in, you know, because he's drunk and all of that. So this song is more, it's not the drunk version of that, but it's like he's, you know, you're, you're still mine. Even though you out here in the world, I still got feelings for you. Da, 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 da. I, I, it's a vibe. I think Frank, though I think you're a hater, I think you may actually like it if you stop and listen to it. So my new vibe of the week is Your Mind Still by Young Blue featuring Drake. So to check out our classic and new vibes of the week, I'm going to post the links on Instagram. So at the end of the episode, you guys will get our Instagram and Twitter handles. Check us out on there to find out what our classic and new vibes of the week are. You got any questions of the week? So a listener sends a question. He asks, am I wrong? So apparently he gets into a discussion with a young lady he's interested in. And in this conversation, he basically tells her, 
you know, would you like to be friends with benefits? Because he isn't looking for a relationship. She apparently takes offense to this and she blocks him. So was he wrong for being straightforward and just being direct with what he wants instead of leading her on? Marvin, what's your thoughts? No, I I think he actually was doing the best thing for the both of them, to be real. Because had he gaslit her and, and fed her the bullshit that he needed just to fuck, he'd be wrong if after he got what he wanted, he didn't give her anything else. Because now, after they fuck, now it's a whole... Now he acting funny and oh, all that stuff he was doing before to pursue it is likely going to die down because he had no intentions on doing more than what he was doing. So, yeah, what better way for him to do it? Like, hey, honestly, I just want to set up a, a, a like I'm interested in you. I'd rather just set up a sexual situation. I really am not looking for a relationship at the moment. That's pretty honest. Is it a. Is it a ideal situation for the girl? Because she clearly wanted more. I'm assuming from from this uh, from from what you say, she clearly wanted more because she blocked him. She was offended. She was upset, and that he would even try her like that. I'm I guess to 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 block her. Um, I mean to block him. So nah, that that. What other way would he have gone, and would he have been right doing it? Like honestly, if that was his intention, there was no other way to go about it. Because then any other way to go about it would be deceitful. Now, the thing is about being straightforward, especially if you're going to be straightforward on something like that, just asking to be friends with benefits, you got to understand it's a two-way street. You don't take that route expecting to hear yes or I'm cool whenever that question is, is, is posed. Understand you're going to get pushback. A lot of people ain't going to be with it. So if you get rejected, if you get blocked, if you will, Understand that comes with the territory of being blunt. Some people take you being blunt and straightforward in that manner as rude. And honestly, I don't blame those people. You can, you can't come off as you can't come off brash if you're asking somebody off rip. Hey, I just want to have sex with you from time to time and not really pursue anything serious. Especially if that's what the other person's intentions were were to be to pursue something serious. But at the same time, you saved yourself and her a whole lot of times by saying, hey, look, this is what I'm looking for up front. And then you put the ball in the court and she had every right to say no and move on. If she blocked you in the process, so be it, move on. You can find the next one. If she's okay with it, cool. But moving forward, however, I would say switch up your approach. Don't, don't be so blunt and ask, it, ask the question so carelessly like that. If you're going to... What do you mean? Like, what do you mean he asked it carelessly? I mean, you read the letter, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't physically read the letter. So, because I know it was long, you had to summarize it a little bit. Right. So the thing is, is if all right. So let's say if you are looking to be friends with benefits with somebody. I mean, yeah, you could save time and say, "Hey, do you want to be friends with benefits?" Or you can lead into it without being as brash. You can say things like, hey, look, I'm not looking for a relationship right now, but we can still hang out. That's you being a friend that you're not looking for a relationship. And then that's you being a friend that, hey, I still like to spend time with you. Now, again, that time doesn't mean just sex. It can potentially mean sex, but you're letting her know that, hey, I don't just see you for what's between your legs. So now if you take an approach like that, you may get better results. But if you're telling, hey, um, I'm not looking for a relationship. I just want a friends with benefits situation. Dude, you're better off just going on back page. 
<laughs> now, was this their was this their first interaction with one another? Yes, or... from swiping left. Oh this wow! Was... So this is... Okay. Well, yeah, it was mean... on a, that dating site, uh, dating app Tinder. And although Tinder is, from what I understand, it is an app to help you find people that's looking for casual connections. Not everybody that's swiping right on you is looking for that, especially no. if. No, no, it's it's a dating app. So you have some of those who are interested in just a casual connection. You have some people who are just on there looking for other things. I know people who, who have gotten married off of off of dating apps. So I'm not. Yeah, same, that's common now. That is yeah. very common. I mean, look, and, how are you meeting people now with everybody not able to really be out in the world the way we once were out in the world? So, true. so wow, I'm not, a- I'm not knocking that situation, but I mean. You're, you're trying to give him advice to don't be so brash about it. Now, was he super upfront at the beginning? Sure. Very in a first early on conversation. That might have been a bit much. He may have wanted to get to know her type of vibe. But in that moment, he was just being honest. Like, hey, I'm going to continue to swipe right on other people. Um, are you going to give me what it is I'm looking for? Because if not, let me continue to do my thing. Let's not waste each other's time. He may just be at a point where he's not trying to waste her time, save her some heartache, save himself some heartache. Because when two people are not connecting on what it is that they want, that frustration and confusion between the both of them can, like, it it could it could kill, like, even your own personal mood could get fucked up over it. And you've been like, yo, I'm being honest with you, but you're you're not taking my honesty. You're like, you're not hearing me. It could lead down a very dark and nasty road. So that's exactly. So that's why I'm not, I'm not upset at the man for just being like, Hey, real talk. This is what I want. No, I don't blame him. Yeah. But I would say if you would like to improve on your approach, (laughs) don't make it seem like you're just going after what's between their legs. All right, man. Anything else you want to bring to the table? No, I think we're good. We touched on everything this week. Pretty much. Uh, All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, and those in between and outside of those constructs, this has been another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast. I don't even think I said this at the beginning, but guess what, guys? I'm your host, Marvin, and the man to the right of me can only be... Frank, you can email us at the Samurai Professionals Podcast at gmail.com, or they can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at the Samurai Pros. Hit us up with any question, comments, or even topic suggestions. Also, follow us to keep certain topics going that you would like to chime in on and check out our classic and new vibes of the week. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at I Can Only Be Frank and Marvin. Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Marvin X Adams. This has been another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast. Peace. Peace. <laughs>